0: Come set your rule and reign. The whole world was lost in the darkness, darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus, like sunshine at day, His glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. No darkness for those who in Jesus abide. The light of the world is Jesus. We walk in... to your side, so heaven is real, and we will arise.
1: We want to hear voices
0: of angels above singing as one.
2: come today to worship you, to honor you, to give glory to you. Thank you for being present with us as we've gathered today. We pray that you would indeed be glorified in our worship. We ask this through Christ. Amen. I invite you to take a moment, share a greeting with others who are here in worship today. So, we do want to welcome you to this worship service today. Uh, Whether you are here uh, on a regular basis or maybe a guest this morning, we're especially glad that you're here. We want to welcome those of you who may be here for uh, Alumni Family Weekend at the college. Hope that uh, it has been and may continue to be through the next few hours a great time for you. And uh, we are Uh, Happy to uh, come together each week and to worship our Lord. Just uh, one thing I want to mention to you, uh, we are starting our prayer vigil. This has been an annual event for the last eight years, for uh, three weeks, 24 hours a day, Uh, seven days during those weeks, we are gathering in prayer. And I was thinking this week, someone was asking me about uh, the word vigil. What exactly does that mean? And I just did a little search on dictionary.com, and... um, it's just a period of watchfulness, of waiting. It's often something that's been associated with, um, with uh, watching rather than sleeping. But the, this idea of the vigil is uh, hour by hour that uh, we are joining our minds and our hearts in prayer. We are, uh, this year's theme is uh, Praying Freely. And uh, we are designing some new things in the prayer room. And there will be some things that will look the same as well. But just some ways, interactive things to help us as we pray. Over the course of the next few weeks, uh, you'll be hearing more. We'll have opportunity for you to begin signing up to uh, get your hour or hours in the prayer room. But even now, as you think about the, the preparations, be in prayer for this important time in the life of our church.
0: I'd like to invite our ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he has given to us. You brought heaven down My sin was great Your love was great Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name.
2: Think about the, the powerful name of Jesus. We want to spend some time praying together. It's been our custom for a number of years to open the altar rail. Sometimes kneeling is uh, just feels right as we uh, offer our prayers. So, if you'd like to come and use the altar rail as we pray together, please come and join me. Others, as we come to this, this moment of prayer, we are so grateful for what the name of Jesus means for us, for this world. Through Christ, you have brought restoration, redemption, life, hope, and we come today in gratitude and thanksgiving you know that we need Christ in our lives. We are—we so often fall short of what we desire, what you desire. We pray that you would help us to find in Christ a source of joy and hope and peace and grace. Father, we come today thinking not only about ourselves, our own needs, but about others as well. Today, Father, we pray that you will keep in your care the suffering and the sick, the dying and the discouraged, all who are in need of your care today. We pray, Father, for all who are grieving. We pray for all who are struggling with health concerns, we pray especially today for Mildred Berry and Doris Asapian, for Blanche Weaver, Tammy Dunmire, Luke Heisinger, Wade Marsh, Sheldon Emerson, Bob Jovert, Laurel Bucher, Bill Getty, for Warren and Ella Woolsey, for Phil Muker, for Mike Raybuck and Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, and for Linda Roth, and Dick Gould, Emily Cricklar, and others who... Are on our minds today and we ask for your healing grace upon them father we thank you for the ministries of our church for the ways in which we serve one another and this morning we pray especially for the the ministry of junior church we pray that you will you will bless this outreach to our children pray for Andrea and Heidi as they lead this ministry and that you would you would bless the time together with the children that that they would learn of you and know you and their hearts will be open to you. And Father, we pray for churches around us. Today we pray for the First Baptist Church in Cuba, and Pastor Manzinger. We pray, Lord, that you will bless this congregation, that your anointing would be upon them, that they would be unified in their, in their love for you and for each other and that they would bear witness of that love to all around them. And Father, we, we think of this, uh, the, the needs of our nation. We pray for racial healing. We pray, Father, for all the ways in which we are divided politically and class structures and all the different ways in which we can so easily see others as opposition rather than as loved children of God that we are. We pray, Lord. That you would heal our land and let us be a catalyst for that. Father, we pray for uh, people throughout the world who are recovering from disasters and terrorist attacks, and we pray for the people who have been most affected by this recent hurricane. We think of the people in Haiti so many deaths, so much destruction. Father, this nation that has suffered so much, we pray, Lord, that there will be a sense of your presence with them in their pain and sorrow and suffering. May your church be a beacon of hope and light in the midst of the struggle. We pray, Lord, that your presence would comfort the grieving, and that you would, you would bring peace and hope to such difficult circumstances. Father, we pray for refugees around the world and ask that you would bring an end to war and violence and threats that have precipitated them fleeing their homes. And Father, we pray for your church around the world. We think of our brothers and sisters in Turkey. They have faced so much opposition and as the nation has uh, more and more unrest, we pray that you will continue to protect the church and that they will be a witness to you in the midst of difficult circumstances, that they will live with a spirit of love and joy and faithfulness. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for your work in our lives. And as many have come here this weekend from other places, for homecoming, for Visit family and students. We pray that your blessing will continue to rest upon Houghton College and all the places in which alumni and friends are. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who in loving kindness teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come.
1: Galatians 5:16 to 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do, that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Please stand and join us as we sing together. And children may be dismissed at this time for Children's Church and Junior Church. There is a truth Older than the ages There is a promise Of things yet to come There is one Born for our salvation Jesus There is a life i
2: When we think about freedom, I think most of the time we're thinking about what this is going to mean for me. We're thinking about being able to do whatever we want to do. I did just a, a brief search this week about different quotes about freedom. And what I found interesting is while there was a wide range of ideas about freedom most of them in one way or another came back to i get to do whatever i want to do freedom is not having to do not having to feel the pressure of other people not having to to worry about other people's expectations it's just really about me and as paul has been addressing the the galatians in this letter he has been talking to them in a variety of ways about freedom. In the first four and a half chapters, he's talked about how they, they really aren't free because they're in bondage to the law. They're in bondage to rules. And this is what the, the Jewish, some of the Jewish people from the Jerusalem church have been putting into their heads. And they've given up their freedom, he says. And then you get to the middle of chapter 5 and he turns the coin over and he begins saying to them, But be careful. Don't use your freedom selfishly. And as we come to this section that we looked at this morning, beginning in verse 16, Paul is again saying to them, be careful about how you use your freedom. He's saying to us, be careful about how you use your freedom. Because how you view freedom has a lot to do with where you end up in your relationship with God. And so he says in verses 19 to 21... When you use your freedom selfishly, this is what comes out of you. And he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he gives us a list of them. And it's not an exhaustive list by any means. As he gets to the end of it, he says, and such things. But he's trying to help us understand that when freedom is just about me, it always ends up in destructive behavior. And when he talks about the, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, there are a couple of things that he might be mentioning, he might be referring to. There, there's, some, uh, there's some thought that, that the ancient, pagan, or ancient Greek and Roman philosophers, they had lists of sins, that lists of destructive behavior. that looked an awful lot like what Paul writes here. And that there's this sort of a general consensus that these things are not healthy for society. And when you look at this list, you can see that. I would say the majority of people would look at these things and say, while I may struggle with that, I recognize that it's probably not healthy for my relationships. It's not healthy for the way, in the, the, the way that the world operates. But the other thing that he might be talking about when he says the acts of the simple nature are obvious is he's saying to these people who have been living by the law, he's saying to them, look, when you see these things, you're going to say, yeah, those are all bad. I recognize that all of those things are not productive. They're not positive. They don't lead us to a good place. As so we're talking about sexual immorality in variety of forms, he gets to the end, he talks about drunkenness and all the things that can happen when we, when we allow ourselves to be inebriated by alcohol. He talks about idol worship and witchcraft and things that, where we manipulate the gods. But what I find so fascinating about this list is that the majority of it is probably probably things that when you and I would, people would say, so what are the sins that God hates? We would tend to think of the first and the last things, but not that big chunk of stuff in the middle. Jealousy, envy, fits of rage, dissension, divisions. All of these things that are about our relationships. Paul says, these are the things that come out of you when your freedom is centered in you. Selfishness. It destroys your relationships. And you need to see that. You need to understand that. These, this behavior, we can do this behavior. We can be free to say, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to make these things happen. We just need to recognize it's going to lead us to destruction. Destruction. It's going to lead us to negative things, not just for us, but our relationships and the things that we value. And when he comes to verses twenty-two and twenty-three, he flips it around and says, "Now this is the act of the simple nature. Here's the fruit of the spirit." And he gives us this list that, quite frankly, is a little bit surprising. I think if I were to if I were if I were to guess, and he said, "What do you think the fruit of the spirit is?" It might be worship. For the fruit of the Spirit might be prayer. The fruit of the Spirit might be things that are overtly spiritual, but the list is relational. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things are relational. What he's really saying here is the fruit of the Spirit really describes the nature of of Jesus this is the DNA of God this is who God is this is the nature and the character of who God is who Christ is this is no wonder the spirit comes it comes out of us because when the Spirit lives in us we begin to take on the DNA of Christ and that's what comes out of us you will notice that it's not the fruits of the spirit it's the fruit of the Spirit this is not the don 't think of this the same way we do the gifts of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit Paul says in a variety of places, some of you may have the gift of of encouragement, some of you may have the gift of help, some of you may have the gift of of um, administration, some of may have the gift of teaching and and all of us have different gifts, and we bring together our different gifts and, and we build up the body together and we, be, we become the church but here paul is saying it 's not as if He looks at us and says, okay, one of you has, will get the fruit of gentleness and and you'll get the fruit of self-control and you'll get the fruit of faithfulness and you'll get the fruit of joy. It's not like that. It is all a part of the DNA of Christ and you either have all the fruit or you don't have the fruit. And we look at this list, we think, well, I like some of those things. I'd really like to be better at some of those things, but others, that looks a little bit difficult. I don't think I want to do that. It's either all or not. We We either are filled with the Spirit and the fruit comes out of us, or the acts of the simple nature come out of us. It is the DNA, the very nature of who Christ is. And when the Spirit fills us, This is what comes out of us. Sometimes we have this mindset that being a follower of Jesus is all about our attitude. It's all about our our inner spirit. And that is obviously vitally important. The Sermon on the Mount addresses that. But Paul's point is, what's inside of you is ultimately what comes out of you. Is it is not enough to say, "Well, I just have the right spirit. I may do horrible things, but I mean well." Now he's saying it's what's in you that comes out of you, and what comes out of you speaks volumes about what's in you. Is the DNA of Christ in us as the Spirit lives in us? Here is the thing what we tend to want to do is to say, how can we produce the fruit of the Spirit? How can we make the fruit of the Spirit come out of us? The reality is, you and I cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. We cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't make that happen. Our responsibility, our role, is to prepare the soil of our hearts in such a way that the fruit can grow in us and can come out of us. I was thinking about that this week. Um, earlier this spring, we, uh, we planted some, uh, some, we did some potted plants of a variety of vegetables. We planted some beans, some tomatoes. And, and I, I love peppers, so I had a few plant different pepper plants. And, man, those things have really taken off. In fact, I... And, and unfortunately, the most prodigious pepper plant that has grown is the habanero peppers. Which, I didn't realize how hot they were until I began to eat them. And then I quickly learned, these are really hot. So, I've got, in fact, I've got probably... I didn't count them, but I have probably 30 bulbs of habanero peppers I've got on our deck... On the, in this plant and if you like those let me know I will give you some of them and you tell me if you think they're hot or not. But I read somewhere they're 100 times hotter than a jalapeno pepper. So they're hot. But they're they're producing and nobody more surprised than I am that they, something I planted came up. I mean seriously, it it it's rarely happened to me before. But here's the thing, I didn't make those plants grow. I, I didn't. I didn't create those plants and make them grow, but I did have to prepare the soil. I had to put in the Miracle Grow and all of those things, and mix it up, and water it, and ever so often pull out a few weeds in it. There is a there is a, a reciprocal process to growing things. And you think about a farmer that that plants crops. They have to go out and they they dig rocks out of the soil. And they till it. And they fertilize it. And they plant it. And and periodically you have to weed it. And there's all kinds of things that we do. We don't make it grow. We just create the right atmosphere for growth to take place. And that's what Paul is asking of us. Our role is not to produce the, the fruit our role is to prepare the soil of our hearts in such a way that fruit can grow. And I think Paul says three things here about how we do that. The first thing in verse 25 is we create good soil when we crucify our yearning for the sinful nature. In verse 25, Paul says, or verse 24, I'm sorry, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. I find it interesting that he doesn't say, Christ nailed the, your passions to the cross. We nail those passions to the cross. It is a conscious decision that we make to say, I want to turn my back on that yearning in my spirit. ...for the sinful nature. We all wrestle with it. We all struggle with it. And, and, and the bottom line is... ...we will struggle with our sinful nature... Until, ...until Christ returns... ...and he sets up his kingdom. But between now and then... ...Christ gives us the ability... ...to lessen the impact... ...of, his, of our sinful nature... And it comes back to having a yearning, a desire to not yearn for the sinful nature. To let it go. That the desire of our heart is to want Christ instead of selfishness. That when we think about freedom, we are less interested in, the fact, in doing what I want to do and more interested in what Christ wants to do. It is nailing the desire, the yearning of those passions to the cross. So that when we live our lives, what we want is the fruit of the Spirit to come out of us instead of the acts of the sinful nature to come out of us. John Wesley, in talking about this passage, talked about the image of nailing nailing something alive to the cross and gradually watching it die and shrivel and become less of of a living being that's really the image that Paul is painting for us here. It's about the yearning of our hearts. That that what we want, what we desire, is not the passions of the sinful nature. As much as they, they tempt us, as much as they pull at us, what we want is Christ. And every day, every morning, every moment throughout the day, we are continually saying to God... Give me grace to nail the passions, the yearning to the cross. To want what you want instead of what I want. And we all get opportunities to do that. The second thing Paul says is is that we need to live, follow the leading of the Spirit in all of life. In verse 25, He says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The the first thing Paul says is the negative side of what we're to do. This is the positive side. It is not enough to say, I want to nail those passions to the cross. The next part of that, the next stage of that, at the same time we're saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow the leading of the Spirit. It is a yearning in our hearts of openness to the Spirit. And you'll notice it's about all of life. It's not just when we're here in church. It's not just when we're reading our Bibles. It's not just when we're praying. It is every moment of life. We live with the desire to be open to the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, sensitive to the Spirit, responding positively to the Spirit. We are continually saying, help me to, to hear you and to see you and to know you. I think he's talking about, in many ways, what Jesus says in John 15. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me. There, there is this remaining in Christ. And, and the way we remain in Christ is because we want to remain in Christ. Anything we hope to accomplish in this world will only happen if we want to. Now, it may not happen even if we want to. Some things, just we don't get accomplished. But it will never happen if we don't want to. If we aren't willing to invest some time and some energy, whether you're talking about learning a new skill, or accomplishing a task, or figuring out something that you didn't understand before, all of the, anything, that, anything that we desire to, to learn, to know, to, to engage, it starts with us wanting to do that and doing something about it. And to remain in Christ, to, be, to follow the leading of the Spirit, is to want to follow the leading of the Spirit in such a way that we do something about it. And I think this is really addressing the spiritual disciplines. If we want to be open to the Spirit, then we do everything we can to create an atmosphere in us that allows us to be open to the Spirit. So we are willing to give time and energy to reading the Word, reading Scripture. We give time and energy to prayer, listening to God, sharing the burdens of our hearts with God, being in the presence of God in prayer we we come to worship we're engaged in worship what we have we are generous with when an opportunity arises for us to be generous whether it's our time or our money or resources or gifts we we give every op- we we try our best to be generous we engage our lives with other people. We sacrifice, we give, we serve. We've been talking the last few weeks about needing workers for our children's ministry on Wednesday night, I and mean, that's, that's not the only place where we can serve. But if we want to be open to the Spirit, we recognize that serving others is one of the most significant ways that the Spirit works in our lives. So we're open to the Spirit. We follow the Spirit's leading. We want what the Spirit wants. When we look at these two lists of of behaviors, two lists, the acts of simple nature and the fruit of the Spirit, we want the fruit of the Spirit to come out of us. We want what the Spirit wants. We want the the DNA of Christ in us. I think that's part of what Paul is saying in verse 21 where he's talking about the acts of the simple nature. He says, the people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's not because Paul is, is, is being judgmental. It's not because Paul is, is being a prude about this behavior. He's simply saying the kingdom of God is about the very nature and character of who God is. When we talk about the kingdom of God, or sometimes we use the kingdom of heaven, we talk about the eternal existence of, of the kingdom. The kingdom is the very nature of God to its fullest extent. Everything about heaven will be the nature of God. It's not about, heaven's not about what we want it to be. Heaven is the very nature and the character of God to its fullest extent. And Paul is simply saying, if your desire, your yearning, is for the sinful nature, then you don't really want what the kingdom of God is about. So if you don't want that now, why in the world would we think we'd want to spend eternity with that? What we're talking about on the other side of it is to follow the leading of the Spirit, to be open to the Spirit, is to live in such a way that we want the kingdom of God now in us. The priorities of God, everything that God desires, every way in which God acts, all of the things that describe the nature and the character of God, that's what we want And we become in many ways the answer to our own prayer of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we live our lives. That's our desire. And that's why the third thing that Paul tells us here about how we prepare the soil of our hearts is about our relationships. It's about how we view ourselves in relation to other people. And Paul is saying to us, we choose to measure who we are, not based on comparing ourselves to other people, but by acknowledging the grace of God in Christ to us. In verse 26, he says, Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And we tend to go to one or two extremes. When we compare ourselves to other people, we often look for the people who who will make us look better than we might be. Right? I mean, if you're thinking of comparing yourself to somebody else, you don't look for the best person you can find. We all look for somebody who's down the path further, down the path, uh, isn't doing as well as we are. And we look at them and say, hey, I'm doing pretty well. And it breeds conceit. Look at me. Look at how great I am. Look at how spiritual I am. One of John Wesley's greatest fears as he... As people began to experience, uh, have experiences with the Holy Spirit, his greatest fear was that they would become arrogant about it. But the other side of it is, we look at other people and they seem to have progressed so much further than us and we get jealous of them. And what ends up happening, either extreme, we start provoking each other, we start picking at each other and badgering each other, and, 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 and it ruins our relationships. And the only solution to that is to focus our attention not on other people and comparing them, but on Christ and his grace to all of us. Because anything we've accomplished, anything we're able to do, any good in the soil of our lives that we might see is because of God's grace. And when you acknowledge the grace of God in your life, you become thankful, You become generous. You don't worry so much about comparing to other people. You're just happy that people are experiencing the grace of God in their lives too. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we struggle so much in our relationships with each other is because we've forgotten that any progress we have ever made is rooted in the grace of God in Christ to us. When you boil down what Paul is really saying about producing good soil, it kind of comes back to this, that we view our freedom, we understand that we experience true freedom when we trust our freedom to the control of the Holy Spirit. True freedom is trusting our freedom to the control of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 16, starts this section and says, So um, I say this to you, let the Spirit guide your lives. If the Spirit is guiding our lives, the Spirit's in control, not us. And he says in verse 18, you're directed by the Spirit. When the Spirit is directing us, the Spirit's in control, not us. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit. To live by the Spirit, to follow the Spirit means that the Spirit's in control and not us. And in, the, in essence, to truly live in freedom is to trust our freedom to the control of the Spirit. I thought about describing that as surrendering our freedom. And there is a part of that that is true. There is a sense of surrendering our freedom. But at the same time, I like the word trust better because all surrender is only done because we trust. And throughout this letter, Paul has been talking about Abraham and Abraham being the great man of faith, of trust, and that set him apart from others. And the call on us is to trust, to believe that our freedom given to the Spirit is better than clinging to our freedom for ourselves. it is sometimes a difficult thing to understand but what the scriptures tell us is that when we release our freedom when we trust our freedom to the control of the spirit we get bigger we be, we begin to we become more fully human as we were created to be we begin to experience flourishing yes we are becoming who God made us to be. And when we cling to our freedom, when we grasp and clutch our freedom, we don't get bigger, we get smaller and smaller and smaller. Because life is all about me. And when life is all about me, it is a very, very small, limited, puny, It's fascinated me for a long time how, how prevalent trees are in Scripture. And particularly trees bearing fruit. You see it from the beginning of Scripture to the very end and in the middle as well. In Genesis one 11, it says that God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, the trees that grow seed-bearing fruit... They'll produce all kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and that's what happened, and God saw that it was good. For trees to bear fruit is God's plan from the very beginning. You move on to the very first psalm that sets the tone for all the rest of the psalms, and it begins by talking about people who are trusting God, people who have given their lives to God. What do they do? They are planted by waters, and they bear fruit. And then you get to the very last chapter of the very last book. And John says, in Revelation 22, the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and it flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month, and the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nation. And what strikes me as I read that particular passage, I think one at least one of the meanings of the leaves that healed the nations is that you and I, the people of God, are those leaves. We are made in the image of God, and the people of God who are filled with the Spirit, who, who are under the control of the Spirit, bear the DNA, the fruit of God. And when we embrace that, we actually become agents of healing in this world. In this world of brokenness and pain and struggle and hurt, you and I, through the grace of God and the Spirit at work in us, can actually be agents that God uses for healing. For restoration and reconciliation and flourishing. What an awesome gift. So the real question for us is not so much am I Are we as the church bearing fruit. Maybe the real question is am I Are we, what kind of fruit are we bearing? When people see the fruit coming out of our lives, whose image do they see? Father, thank you for your grace, mercy, your word to us. We want to be people who bear the fruit of the Spirit. We want to be people who are agents that you use for healing in this world. We want to see flourishing. So make us people through your grace who live our lives nurturing good soil. Through Christ we pray.
0: please stand and join us as we sing together.